our overall goal is just being able to provide parents with support and education in a non-judgmental way where they can actually feel like they're crushing it as a parent and not just like treading water. (laughs) It's great to have experts and it's great to have those answers, but a lot of the time people don't need an expert to answer their question or they don't have a problem that needs to be fixed. Right. They just need to be validated that what they're going through is normal. It's hard, but it's normal. Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Jamie O'Day and Emily Silver, the co-founders of NAPS, offering support to parents from pregnancy all the way up through early childhood. I can't tell you how many times I've been nursing one of my boys at 3 a.m. while obsessively scrolling through pages and pages on Google, trying to answer questions like, how loud is too loud for a sound machine? Is gunk in a newborn's eye normal? And even, what causes a baby's pee to be pink? I've seen some pretty terrifying answers, and I really wish I knew about naps sooner. What an incredible resource for answering all of the questions you never know you'll have until you're living in that exact moment. But more than anything, what we need as moms, especially new moms, is affirmation that we're doing a good job. We need validation that what we're doing is really hard, but it's normal. I'm so grateful to Jamie and Emily for building that community and affirmation for parents. When Jamie and Emily were labor and delivery nurses at Boston area hospitals, they would constantly hear from parents who would say, if only I could take you home with us. The thought of the first few nights at home was terrifying. This gave Jamie and Emily an idea. Why not provide that support for new moms? That's when NAPS was born. Nine years later, NAPS has evolved from providing overnight nursing care and in-home lactation consults to an all-encompassing program that supports parents from pregnancy through the toddler years. Jamie and Emily founded NAPS to support women in a non-judgmental way that leaves them feeling confident and proud of the decisions they make for themselves and their families. Welcome. We are so excited to have you on Work Like a Mother. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having us. We're excited to to be here with you today. Thank you. Um, I've had so many mom friends who have absolutely raved about Boston Naps, and I want to hear more about how you started it. So this, I mean, we've had now Boston Naps since... 2011. And when we first opened, Jamie and I were working as labor and delivery nurses. And we used to drive to work together and work the night shift together. And when we would take care of patients in labor, they truly started asking us if they could have our phone numbers and if they could go home with us. We were young in our 20s. We were like, we can't go home with you. But then we started being like, okay, actually, wait, why can't we? And and what what do people do when they get discharged? And started looking at what existed in Boston and realized there really wasn't much at all. 
for parents. I mean, you saw a little bit of prenatal help, but nothing really postpartum. And then we just, we just did it. Like we just, we talked about it a lot on the night shift and we have no business degrees, which is kind of entertaining. We're nurses. (laughs) So everything that we've sort of grown since 2011 has come from things that our clients have asked us for uh, and things that we have learned along the way now as mothers. Because, you know, when we first started, we didn't have kids. And now we have five kids between the two of us, all five and under. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like when we started the business in 2011 until now, it was basically our side hustle for a number of years where we were still working as labor and delivery nurses. Um, Emily and I, you know, we used to teach for um, Boston College and Northeastern, the undergrad nursing programs. We were clinical instructors for them. Um, Emily worked as a women's health NP in a private OBGYN's office for a few years. We had a lot of jobs. Yeah, we had a lot of jobs. So there was a point in time after Emily and I had both had our second kids where we were basically like, you know, it's either time to like shit or get off the pot with, you know, the business. And, and um, you know, is this something that we actually had this conversation in like August of 2017? Um, where it was like, do we want to be all in on this business? Do we want to quit all of our other jobs and then stop being our side hustle and get full-time childcare and get full-time childcare, um, and, and actually like commit to doing this and and make it work. Or do we actually like want to be doing these other things and not running the business anymore? Um, and obviously we made the decision to dive in head first and, and run the business full time. And so that's what we've been doing now for three years. And let me tell you, was that the right decision? Um, just, just in terms of like, not only business wise, like our business has grown exponentially over the last three years. Right. But also just for our personal lives and professional lives, like it was just such a, it was the right choice for us. We don't think about or want to be working other jobs. Um, it really is so fulfilling for us to be doing this job and helping women and helping families. Um, And and we're surrounded by an amazing uh, group of nurses that work, you know, with us and for us. Um, And so we could not have been happier with that decision. While scary, we can be now three years later, we can be happier with that decision. Um, And where we're at both personally and professionally, it's been awesome. What an incredible story. How, when you first started, what services were you offering then and what have you added since you first started? Great question. So initially we were only offering daytime and overnight in-home nursing care um, to women after they deliver their babies, right? Um, And then that quickly evolved into us also offering prenatal education and lactation support. And then from there... We basically, that's when like we started to grow our own families. So then we started adding on services of like things that we were realizing is now moms ourselves, like women and families really need. Um, So then we added in support groups. So we have not only a breastfeeding support group, but um, a support group called Mom Survival Guide, which is a six week series. It's all the same women who come for those six weeks. Um, And that group is really awesome. That has, that's taken off big time. Um, we still continue to offer prenatal classes. We've just changed up a little bit in the way that we do it. So instead of, you know, them being like scary and boring, <laughs> we've really tried to make them like 
super interactive and fun and tie in these worlds of like real life mom advice and the medical world. Like this is what you need from a medical standpoint, but this is actually what you need to know from like a real life parenting standpoint. Um, and then we also offer sleep consultations, um, continue to offer lactation support, continue to offer daytime and overnight nursing care. And then our newest addition slash baby, baby. <laughs> um, is our fully online virtual program called Nurture by Nap. So instead of me having a third baby, we decided to have a different kind of baby. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so Nurture by Naps is our newest service, and it's really exciting for us because it is not only an online membership, but being that it's an online membership, it has a national audience. So we've always wanted to be able to touch people, obviously in Boston, because that's where we live and where we're from, but we were like, it'd be so great to reach more moms other places. And we had always wanted to build this type of platform. We had the content, we knew exactly what we wanted to do with it. We just honestly were stuck in the day-to-day -day business and couldn't figure out how to carve out time to do it. We were in our own way, honestly. <laughs> but when the pandemic happened, we were then awarded nothing but time to actually just rip the bandaid off and execute that. And so Nurture by Naps is you know, this platform that you can come on to, you can be anywhere. And we're seeing people from all over the United States and actually outside of the United States join it. Because now people in Boston are like, oh, my sister or my friend who lives in Chicago or Pennsylvania can actually reach you guys now. Um, when you become a member, you have access to short video clips, downloads, live webinars. We have a weekly live Q&A based on your age group of where you're at as a parent. Um, and so you're going to get a real life medical advice, but also we're going to still meet you in the middle with the mom advice too. Yeah. And hopefully we're getting people off of Google searches and crazy blogs and Facebook pages where there's just an overwhelming amount of information and you can come into Nurture by Naps and find an answer delivered to you yeah. and still get connected with other moms and make friends and yeah. get that community piece as well. You know, our, our overall goal um, is just being able to provide parents with support and education in a non-judgmental way where they can actually feel like they're crushing it as a parent and not just like treading water. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Well, and it seems like this is also spilled over into your Instagram a little bit too with the moments for mom. Yeah. Have that yeah, so every Monday on our Instagram platform, one of us shows up and it's called Moment for Mom. And it's usually an hour long and you can ask us any question about pregnancy, parenting, breastfeeding, pumping, sleep, whatever. <laughs> if we don't know the answer on Moment for Mom or on Nurture by Naps, like we we consider ourselves experts in, in a lot of places, mom and baby, like that's our wheelhouse, but we are not the expert at everything. Yeah. And so part of Moment for Mom or Nurture by Naps, wherever we're providing advice, if we don't know the answer, we will go to one of our trusted experts and, and get it from them. Because we acknowledge that we don't know everything. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree, right? All of us are moms. I think we can all agree that, like, parenting isn't just about getting advice from, you know, a nurse or a lactation consultant or a pediatrician. Like, sometimes you need help from a licensed mental health counselor, right? So we have somebody who we partner with on that. Um, sometimes you need help from 
um, a dietitian or a nutritionist related to your, you know, your baby's um, starting solids or a picky eater in the toddler years, right? Um, sometimes you need help from a speech and language pathologist or a pediatric occupational therapist or physical therapist, right? I think the, you know, the hardest part about parenting is that there are all these aspects to it where you do feel like you need advice or support for you or for your child. Um, and, and there isn't one place that you can kind of get it all. And, and I think part of our goal and our mission is to have it be as much of a one-stop shop as possible for parents so that you can not only, you know, get the quick answers, but you can really actually get support from the people in these other expertise who who are really good at what they do and know what they're talking about. I mean, and building on that, it's great to have experts and it's great to have those answers, but a lot of the time people don't need an expert to answer their question or they don't have a problem that needs to be fixed. Right. They just need to be validated that what they're going through is normal. It's hard, but it's normal. And that's where it comes in that it is appropriate and wonderful for other moms and members to say, oh my gosh, yes. Like three months ago, I was in the same boat. It did get better. Or I'm right here with you with with those sleepless nights or the painful breastfeeding. And maybe we can't even fix that in that moment, but just putting them with other moms that are like, I hear you, I feel you, we're in this together. That That's a huge piece of it too. Yep, totally agree. Yeah, you're not alone. I, I remember with my first just thinking, am I the only person who's feeling this way? Is this, are other people experiencing this? Whatever this might be at that moment in time. And it's so comforting to know that you're not alone and that you're not this anomaly out there that other people are facing this challenge too. Yeah, totally totally agree. Yeah. Uh, So you have, you, you had already a wealth of knowledge before you had your own children. Mm -hmm. What were your maternity leave experiences like where were you working? It sounds like you were juggling. I don't even know. I've lost count. Maybe three different things each while you were also having babies. We got smarter with each kid. Oh, yeah. Well, especially like you having the third, really. Jamie lived her best life with Camilla, her third, because even between the two of us, we would know exactly what you need at that point. Yeah. So I think <laughs> how to accept help and outsource. And- yeah. Yeah. I mean, with our, it's funny. I actually wouldn't say that my, the experience with my first daughter was the hardest. Um, she was a very easy baby, like the ideal, like trick baby that would, and I call her trick baby because she would trick you into having multiple babies if every baby was like her. Um, because she really was, that doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. It was still hard, but she, knowing (laughs) the realm of how difficult babies can be. She was, she was super easy. That wasn't too bad. I had a very difficult time, um, accepting help and asking for help. I really, I I definitely fell into the trap of thinking that I somehow needed to do it all. And if I couldn't do it all, then that, then that somehow, um, maybe made me less worthy of, you know, of it all, right. Mm -hmm. Of, of, of love, of motherhood, of all these things. Um, that is, that is false. That is a trap. Please. If anybody's listening to this, if you're feeling that way, that is, there's no truth in that, right? Like the reality is it, it takes more than one person to 
make a baby and deliver a baby. And it certainly takes more than one person to raise a thriving child. And it starts with you as the parent needing to figure out how to thrive. Um, and so I, that was definitely like my biggest, um, trip up with my first was thinking that I needed to do it all. Um, with my second, I learned, had learned a little bit more about that. Um, and was definitely more willing and able to accept help. She was a slightly more difficult baby, just, you know, had uh, some more issues with breastfeeding. And again, I'm saying this as a registered nurse who is a lactation consultant, who has helped moms breastfeed. I had a really difficult time breastfeeding my second. Um, and so it, it truly can and does happen to anyone. Um, and so I, I experienced different challenges with that. I experienced different challenges just with the transition from one to two. Um, like the logistics of one to two were, were so challenging for me. Getting out of the house, my partner, you know, my husband and I not feeling like we ever had time like alone or to ourselves. Um, that was a real like shock to the system, much different than zero to one. Um, and then, yeah, like to Emily's point, <laughs> I like, I, I really thrived. I really thrived with my third. And the reason was not because of, you know, how well she breastfed. I mean, she was hospitalized for pneumonia at one point in time, right? Um, so it wasn't even necessarily related to like her, how, her <laughs> right? How well she breastfed or how well she slept. It actually was related to my willingness to ask for and accept help. That's why I thrived during, my, during that maternity leave. Mm-hmm. That's why I lived my best life. That's why I felt the best out of all three of my kids was because I asked for and accepted help. It had nothing to do with the baby. Um, she's a delight, but she, but it had nothing to do with her. Right. Um, it actually had everything to do with me and my willingness to, to, to accept and ask for help. So that's what I learned with my maternity leaves. And that's how that's sort of like the progression, how they were really different. I know that you had, I mean, I feel like I almost, I am different in the sense that I would speak to moms out there listening of the mental health piece because I, I have anxiety at baseline. I always have. And I feel like I learned lessons postpartum because of that in the sense that I really struggled after having my first with anxiety and potentially depression. I don't know. I don't think you can really call it one or the other. It's just a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And I think that having anxiety, uh, made me predisposed for it to be a little bit worse postpartum. And when even I knew it, but even when I was in it, I, the first time just, you don't realize it. And I, the first time really like let myself get to dark, bad places where I was like desperate for help and desperate for sleep and maybe trying to do it all but, and, and not accepting help or not even not accepting help. Maybe I just didn't ask for help. You weren't in a position to, yeah. So, so <laughs> different for you, right? We're like, I, I could have accepted help. I just chose not to, which was dumb. Right. Um, you truly like weren't in a, um, a space to even like know how to ask for help right. or even know how to totally. accept help. Like that's, that's how low your lows yeah. were. I mean, I can specifically remember I mean, I had really, like, really great days and yeah. then really, really low days because yeah. um, I was so overwhelmed. And it usually would be that I would go three or four nights in a row doing all the feeds, trying to take care of the baby. And then I was home all day with her alone because my husband was working. Right. 
and then I would like crash. Yeah, you lose your shit. Lose my then, shit. Um, cry. Yeah. I need help. Yeah. And then the second time, I was like, I- I'm not doing that again. Right. I'm gonna make sure that I stay. That I'm on. Stay on my medicine. Um, like I take a low dose medicine for anxiety. Like stay on it when I'm pregnant. Increase it when I deliver. Like go into it armed and ready. And I knew that my anxiety was provoked by lack of sleep. So I said, I will do some nights on my own, but I'm going to let my husband take the baby once or twice a week for the night. And I did, I had somebody, I had a nurse come in, uh, you know, once or twice a week. Um, And I would ask my mom to help me in advance instead of waiting to call her at the last minute, like when I was tired on a Saturday and crying and needed help with the kids. Yeah. So I got a little bit smarter. I wasn't perfect. Probably still could have been outsourced. You could always outsource more and do more. But I definitely was like, I'm not playing that game anymore. And even my husband was better the second time because he knew like on night three, that's when I need to tell her, like, bye-bye, like, go away. I'll take mm. the kids. Like, yeah. you need to go sleep. And I always felt so much better once I slept. I mean, you just got really good, and you're and you're still really good at, like, asking for help from a place of anticipation, knowing that desperation. it's likely that, you know, in three days I'm going to feel like shit. And instead right. of waiting to feel like shit and, you know, calling me or your husband or your mom crying and being like, I need help right now, it's like – Hey, on Saturday, do you yeah. think you could like come to the house and help me out? In the worst case scenario, I mean, you say this all the time. The worst case scenario is you feel good and you cancel or you feel good and you just have an extra set of hands, right? You just enjoy the day. Instead of like being so desperate on that yeah. day and like calling everybody to come and help you. Yeah. Um, so we talk to clients all the time, you know, about asking for help from a place of anticipation right. instead of desperation because there is a pattern, whether you want to admit it or not, like there is usually a pattern to like, the highs and the lows or the good days or bad days. And so um, getting really clear on like what that pattern looks like and asking for help before you fall into, you know, that negative spiral can be so helpful. It's so important to talk about it too, because when I'll tell our moms that I have anxiety or that I had you know panic attacks or like really struggled, then they're like, oh my God, they, it's like a sense of relief. Like, yeah, like I am going through that too. Or the stigma around like taking medicine yeah. um, or seeing a counselor or therapist. Nobody wants to talk about it or people maybe are embarrassed about it. But if you start telling people and asking, it's a lot of people. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, statistically we know one in four right. women at this point will have some kind of issue right. postpartum, you know, with anxiety or depression, but I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So thinking about those experiences, which are so helpful, thank you for sharing all of that. What advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Yeah, so we <laughs> we have this conversation all the time, even just when we're thinking about how do you tell a first-time expecting parent the things that they need to know but maybe aren't in a place to listen to or accept, right? Because either because they don't think that will be them um, or they can't fully wrap their head around like what it's actually going to be like postpartum, right? Um, so for me, the, the one thing that I would tell myself, my pre-baby self, pre-child self, um, is it does not make you less worthy of love or motherhood or, or less of a mom by 
asking for and accepting help. And in fact, you are a better mom if you do those things. That's what I would tell myself. Exactly. Same thing here. (laughs) There is something about our culture now as women and working women that we have to do it all. And there's this delusion that women are doing it all and it's not realistic. Um, and, And I do think a lot of this comes back to having real conversations with your peers and other parents when you're pregnant, um, not to scare people. You know, I do really hate when someone's pregnant and they ask you, how is it? Or what's for some advice? And parents are like, Oh, just wait and see, or, Oh my God, it's a shit show. You'll never sleep again, but you'll, you know, you'll be fine. It's like, no, let's actually stop that. It's not some like secret society that you have to be initiated into with like bleeding cracked nipples and sleepless nights here. (laughs) Like just be open and honest of what is hard about it and why, and also what's (laughs) wonderful about it. And like the good, the good moments of it too. Like nobody ever talks about that. We just hear about the scary labor stories and the, the babies that cry all night and are gassy. What about so I the think your, your pre pre child self is like <laughs> advice is like, be honest about be what honest. motherhood is like, yeah. what are, what are the lows and what did you do? Right. What helped in the lows and what are the highs and don't be afraid to share them. I mean, it's, we always joke, it's not all unicorns and like glitter and rainbows. And if you think it is, because there are people out there that are like, no, I know someone or this person has it together, or I'm telling you my sister, this and that it's like, no, they don't. And if they tell you that they do, they're lying. I would be worried about lying. Yeah. I'd be worried about either lying to themselves or lying to you. Like nobody has it all together. No way. Ever. I love how honest you are on the podcast, but also how honest you are on social too. Jamie, you had this really great post the other day about how, you know, there's a lot of preparation and sort of conversation around birth. And then I, I think you have this line in the post that's basically like, what if I told you that delivery is the easy part of parenting because then you're going to be a parent for the rest of this child's life. Yeah. Which is a long time. (laughs) Can you say a bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is going back to like trying to have the conversation with people who are expecting their first child, right? Like when you actually conceptualize the time, right. Of pregnancy, of labor, of the newborn phase and breastfeeding, right? Compare that to that timeline to the time that you're actually a parent. It's a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. Pregnancy is a blip on the radar. Delivery is even a smaller blip on the radar, right? The newborn phase, breastfeeding, all a blip on the radar. I am not saying, now, now this is, do not misinterpret me saying this as don't focus on newborn education, how to breastfeed, um, you know, learning about labor and delivery. I'm not saying do not educate your thing, yourself on all of those things. Please educate yourself on all of those things because they're very important, right? Don't stop there. Just, <laughs> just, but I'm begging you to please also give equal or more time on learning about and, and educating yourself on and focusing on the things that are going to help you thrive as a parent for the rest of your life. 
which is taking care of yourself. Yes. Which is fostering your marriage yes. and your relationship yes. and learning how to communicate with each other. Yes. yes. Like outsourcing help, like yes. bringing in family or people who can help. You. How to set healthy boundaries. Mm. I mean, there's so <laughs> many things, right? Like that you need in order to thrive as a parent. And this goes back to what I said at the beginning. In order for your child to thrive, you actually have to be thriving, right? You can't, your child can't thrive if you are killing yourself trying to make something work or do something, right? Because then we're just teaching the next generation of kids that other people's happiness and lives come before ours. Mm -hmm. And that next generation of kids is just going to do the same thing. I don't want to teach my kids to kill themselves to make somebody else happy. I want to teach my kids to make themselves happy first. And then that's how they can make have healthy and happy relationships. They can have healthy and happy friendships. They can set healthy boundaries. They can communicate in a healthy way, right? Like, but that all starts with us learning how to do that first. We kids learn by observing. Kids do not learn by us telling them what they should be doing or how they should be acting, mm -hmm. right? We can tell our, we can yell at our kids and tell them not to yell. Like we actually have to practice the practice act of not yelling. Preach. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so true, you know. There's just a lot of, um, just a lot of aspects to the transition into parenthood to think about, and not in an overwhelming way, but just in a way where it's like, I want you to still educate yourself about labor and birth and whatever feeding, you know, choice method of feeding you you're choosing. But I also want you to think about all of these other things that are equally, if not more important when you're talking about being a parent. Well, and it's a work in progress, right? Like you're yeah. not saying to think about the next 18 years before, while you're sitting there pregnant and preparing for delivery, but to start thinking about it and be mindful. And I would echo what you're saying around sort of talking about the challenges as well as kids get older. Now with my three-year-old, it's really hard to know exactly are other people experiencing what we're experiencing? Yep. Then you go down the rabbit hole of like, is there something wrong with them? Is there something wrong with me? Am yep. I not hearing them correctly? <laughs> you just, you go in like circles about it and it's like, it's a tantrum. Yeah. And yeah. they're, they're unfortunate to watch, but they will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. We will all survive, but no, normalizing it and talking about it and making it more apparent and not that your children are always these angelic people who are featured on Instagram. Yeah. I'd be more concerned about the toddler who doesn't have any tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like every kid does. And that's, that's normal. So now that you have five kids between the two of you, you've <laughs> dedicated your time to Boston Naps fully. How do you make the juggle work between all of that? And I think that what we have learned over the years is that number one, and, and Emily and I live by this in our business partnership, in our friendship, in our relationships with all of our employees, number one, family always comes first. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that's going on personally, um, Emily and I have, have experienced, you know, deaths, you know, cancer diagnoses, um, challenging like mental health issues, uh, a lot, right? Yeah. Like the older you get, the more, the more 
life experiences you have that are challenging. Um, and no matter what family always comes first. And that's just like a rule of thumb for us. Um, so when we're talking about the balance between, I hate the term work-life balance, right? Cause it's when you think of balance, you think that it's like, a you never really, have. you'll never have it. Right. Like it's not a scale. scale. Right. The other piece of it is understanding that the balance isn't 50, 50, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's giving more attention at any given time to the thing in your life that is telling you that it needs more attention. Right. My mother-in-law calls them buckets, right? Like you have your, your marriage bucket, you have your children bucket, you have your work, and you only have so much water to go around. So it's not possible that you can fill every bucket to the top. And when she was talking to me about that, I was thinking that really, it crystallizes, right? It makes it so, yep. makes it so clear when you visually see this idea. Well, of course, there's not enough. You can't fill all the buckets. But really? thinking of what buckets are important to you, Mm-hmm. And then how you're going to flex the amount of water, so to speak, to go That's into each bucket. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me this morning. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and it's been great getting to learn from you, getting to hear your stories. Thank you for having us. Nurture by Naps is an online learning platform with members-only content that guides you through every stage of pregnancy and parenting. It combines video how-tos, live Q&As, and in-depth care guides, and a super popular Ask a Nurse forum to help you thrive as a parent. Through Nurture by Naps, you can get access to parenting experts and answers to nearly every question that arises from conception through preschool. As a Work Like a Mother listener, your first month is free using the code NURTURE ONE MONTH FREE. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. I'm excited to share another amazing Working Mama story with you next week. But before I go, I have a quick favor to ask. Please help us spread the word by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for more working moms to discover our show. Thanks and have a great week.